Hey, everybody. This is Ron Evans, and you are on my podcast or my YouTube channel, Real Estate 101 with Ron Evans. And today I am going to start a series about the home buying process, how to buy a house, all the steps that you need to go through to be successful. And I'm going to list off what I've broken down into 10 steps. Um, and within those 10 steps, there might be some sub steps or there might be a couple of things kind of grouped together, but 10 basic steps and areas. I'm going to list them all off for you. And then um, I'm going to do this in a series and I'm going to take one, two, three or so at a time um, because they kind of, there are some things that kind of go together. Now, um, right now, and this is December, 2021, that I'm recording this. I don't care if you're listening to this five years from now, five months from now, five minutes from now, the process is most likely not going to change. So the underlying process, the steps that I go through, that's never really gonna change. Some other things that I might touch on um, as I'm going through this might be based on how current market conditions are. That is what can change going forward, obviously. Um, but for right now, um, just know that if you land on this video three years from now and the market is completely upside down and different from today, these steps that I'm going to go over will still be applicable. Um, so don't lose sight of that. Don't lose faith in that. Um, you are going to be just fine. I'm going to give you my contact information here up front, just in case I lose you throughout this thing or you want to come back to it. Again, my name is Ron Evans. My texting phone number is 949-929-2270. My email address that I used for the podcast and YouTube is realestate101 at ronevansrealty.com. Now you're going to see all this in the show notes or in the description on YouTube, but I always like to let everyone know up front. If you haven't tuned in before, a little background about me. Um, I have been a realtor now for, uh, this is my eighth year, 2014 is when I started. Um, I just recently obtained my broker's license here in California. I live and work primarily here in Orange County, California. However, I have sold homes throughout all of Southern California. I have sales in uh, the Inland Empire, Riverside, San Diego, L.A., I really don't discriminate. Um, if a client needs help and I have an ability to help them, I will do so. I don't care where you're at. My license allows me to work throughout California. And so I feel like I should take advantage of that when I can. All right, let's jump in. Um, another little side note is I work about 50-50 with buyers and sellers. Now, there are some agents that get into the business and they only want to work with one or the other. Um, I don't discriminate. Um, if you need to buy a home, buy a property, buy a commercial property, whatever, I'm your guy. If you need to sell a home, sell a property, sell a commercial property, I am your guy. I have experience across the board and all of that. Let's dive in. So here are the 10 steps. And why am I going over this? What... Why am I doing that? Well, in today's market, 
it is so competitive right now that you cannot afford as a buyer to be unprepared. You need to be able to go into the entire home buying process with eyes wide open. No surprises, no secrets, full transparency. That's how I work. That's how I hope the agent that you're working with, if it's not me, chooses to work. But it is so competitive right now for buyers, multiple offers, having to overbid, all kinds of crazy things, getting really creative with financing and down payments and, and how you're going to do stuff that if you're off even a little bit in any of these steps, you are going to risk losing the home that you want to buy. Simple as that, because there are 10 other buyers just like you trying to buy the same house. That's in today's market, December, 2021. Go back and listen to some of my previous videos. Follow me for my market updates. You'll see that there's no, there's no foreseeable end in sight with how the market is going. So this is this, what I'm going to talk about is going to be very applicable for, for quite some time. So let's get in. Step one, check and know your credit score. Step two, determine how much you can afford. Step three, choose a lender and get pre-approved for a mortgage. Step five, find a real estate agent. Step six, start your home search process. I'm sorry, that was step five. Start the home search process. Step six, make an offer. Step seven, get a home inspection and home appraisal. Step eight, purchase homeowner's insurance. Step nine, do a final walkthrough. Step 10, close on your new home. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Ron, I've bought a house before, or I've heard other people talking about things and there's you might be leaving some stuff out. In this main master list, yes, there might be some stuff left out. But if you remember what I said at the very beginning, these are kind of the key things. There are going to be some subsets that you hear within these that will bring the whole package together for you, I promise. Stick with me. Now, for this first video, this is going to be part one. I am going to cover the first three. I'm going to cover checking your credit score, determining how much you could afford, choosing a lender, getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Okay, that's the... That's the stuff that if you can't cover those three things, you absolutely do not go forward. Simple as that. So checking your credit score. Now, before you begin um, your home buying process, you want to make sure you're actually in a position to take on all that buying a house entails. That's why the first step is to do your research, check your credit score, and review your finances. Notice how this is all under check your credit score, but it's actually three steps in one. Doing your research, check your credit score, review finances. This is all under step one. Research different areas. 
before you can buy a house, you need to know where you want to buy a house. The oldest cliche or adage about real estate is location, location, location. You can't, you can't swap a location. No two locations are the same. You can find similar houses from place to place, but the location itself, you can't find duplicates. Make a list of the areas you're considering moving to and research them. Maybe you're coming from out of state to Orange County. Maybe you already live in one part of Orange County, but a job's taking you to another part of Orange County or kids' school, retirement, whatever. Maybe you're in a specific city. I'm here in Rancho Santa Margarita, California. But maybe you live in one part of RSM and you want to move to another part of RSM for whatever reason, change of schools, closer to work, okay? Make a list of the areas. And in that, if you're know specific, if you already local and you want to stay local, the list of areas should be the list of neighborhoods. And start researching them. It's important, especially in today's day and age, and especially if you have a family, to look into crime rates. Public school ratings in the area, not only public schools, but a lot of private schools are also rated along with those public schools. A great resource for that, greatschools.org. Go to www.greatschools.org. You can put in an address, not just a zip code, not just a city, but a specific address to find out what elementary, intermediate, and high schools are zoned to your specific address. And if there are any swap schools, because here in Orange County, it's very popular to maybe swap from school to school as long as it's in the same district, but maybe it's one school has a better curriculum or a different curriculum that suits your child's focus better. Okay, crime rates, public schools, but also don't forget about the regular day-to-day -day things of life. Where's the closest grocery store? How long will your commute to work be? Keep all of that in mind as you consider different cities, different neighborhoods, different streets and neighborhoods. Keep all that in mind, okay? Research different areas. Credit score to buy a house. Now, here's the, here's the nuts and bolts. Getting financed to buy a house isn't always easy. This isn't 2005 where you just needed a pulse and an income, or at least a stated income, to buy one home, multiple homes, what have you. Okay, mortgage lenders today use your credit score first and your financial history to qualify you for a loan. So it's very important for you to be one step ahead of them, that when you are sitting down and talking to your lender, you already have an idea going into that conversation. To obtain a conventional loan, now there's different types of financing out there. Conventional is the most often chosen. It's the one where you might hear, I got to have 20% to put it for a down payment. Not entirely true for conventional these days, but that's typical. 
you need a median FICO score of 620 or higher. Now you have three credit bureaus that they pull, okay? Experian, Equifax, TransUnion. They take the median score. It's gotta be at least a 620 or higher, okay? Now different lenders might have different programs in case you're not exactly at a 620 or you don't necessarily have 20% down. You have things also like FHA loan. Okay, that's a federally backed loan. Lower down payment instead of 20% down, maybe 15, 10, or five on a conventional loan. An FHA loans 3.5% down minimum. Okay, but also the credit score requirement goes from a 620 on a conventional to 580 on FHA. Then there's also VA loans, which are veterans benefit. Quite often the most overlooked benefit that those who have served in our military um, don't realize that they have, or they've heard about it, but they haven't been educated on it and don't know how to use it. And quite frankly, I've got a video in my channel here um, that talks about VA loans. Quite frankly, a lot of agents and sellers and buyers are afraid of it because they don't understand it. And it's actually an awesome benefit. Here's one of the reasons that it's an awesome benefit. The VA doesn't require a specific credit score. The lender, the VA lender you go through has their own policies on credit scores. Okay. I haven't personally heard of one going below a 580, but I'm not, that's not to say that under certain circumstances or special circumstances, they wouldn't like an FHA. Some bigger banks or nationally known recognized uh, lenders for VA, like Rocket Mortgage, you've heard of Rocket Mortgage by now, I'm sure you've seen their commercials. They require a 620 for a VA, but you can, depending on who you talk to, you, you can go lower. And then there's some other benefits with VA as well. Your credit and financial history, that's gonna dictate whether you can A, obtain a loan, and B, what your interest rate's gonna be. The higher your credit score, you can typically secure a better interest rate and better loan terms. This is why it's making, it's important for you to understand what you're getting into ahead of time, okay? Yes, you can roll into an FHA loan with a 580 score and only three and a half percent down. That's an awesome thing. It also has a higher debt to income ratio. Your lender can explain that to you more than, a, than on a conventional. But you need to understand all the ramifications of that. It can get you into the home of your dreams for sure, but you might pay a little bit of a premium for them being a little more lax on the qualifications. So you need to know all this. Someone who has a credit score of 720, 760, 780 <clears throat> is gonna get a preferred rate versus someone who has even a 620, 640 or that 580. You're not, they're not gonna pay a penalty for those things. All right, let's move on. Next step, determine how much you can afford.
Now, even before you speak to a lender, hopefully you understand a budget. And if you don't, talk to a lender that you really, really trust, maybe you've worked with before and have them help you break down a budget because a lot of them can and will do it for you. Um, especially if it's like your neighborhood lender, they're local to you, you can go in and meet with them face-to-face. They're not just an 800 number that you're calling. Okay, so before you speak to your uh, your lender, it's useful to know how to calculate how much house you can afford on your own. Your lender will tell you how much money you qualify for, but you want to make sure you won't be overextending yourself. Some lenders, now there's always a difference between what you qualify for on paper and what you qualify for in your heart, in your conscience. It's always going to be different. The lender is just looking at the numbers. It's just the math. He's going to say, hey, Joe, good news. We can get you into an $800,000 purchase price of a home. You don't need to do 20% down, but we can do it at 10% down on a conventional loan with your mortgage insurance and everything, taxes and everything. We got an estimated here, a payment of about $5,300 a month. Now, Joe sits back and he's like, wow, I've been renting for about $4,000 a month, but my landlord is going to raise me to 4500 a month. And that's why I'm looking at buying because I don't think in my heart and in my conscience, I can even afford $4,500 a month. But now I've got this lender telling me I can pay $5,000 a month. That's the difference between what any lender is going to tell you that the math tells you you can afford versus what you have to understand that you can truly afford. Maybe you can afford that 5000 but it's going to require a little more sacrifice on your end. Maybe paying off some other debt, maybe cutting out some different extracurricular activities that are typically in your budget to get you there. But if those extracurricular activities and that extra debt you have, you can't, you can't afford to pay off, well then, you need to try to keep your, your budget down to what you can comfortably without too much anxiety, know that you can accommodate. Now, a typical rule of thumb from experts is they recommend no more than 30% of your gross monthly income on housing costs. Let's be realistic, especially in today's market, especially in where I live in California, Southern California, Orange County, 30% of your gross for most people, okay, is not going to give them much affordability of a home or it's not going to allow them to afford the home that they want to buy. Most often you're going to be, they're going to be closer to the 40, 45% range. Okay. Um, And that's just how it is. And that could be with a single or a dual income. That's just the reality. Okay of where we're at. I know there's other parts of the country that might be a little bit different in that. There's also other parts of the country that might be worse or have a bigger spread with what their, what their gross is that they have to use. 
Okay, but now let's just talk really quickly about what all these costs are that make up this 30% that the experts talk about, okay? First is the principal. This is the actual money you borrowed to purchase your home. This is what I'm about to talk to you about now, these sections. This is what your house payment is broken down into. Principal. Interest. This is the fee the lender charges you to borrow the funds. It's your interest rate. Right now, you can get a house about 3.1%. A couple of weeks, a couple months ago, it was below three, 2.8. Okay. A couple of years ago, it was over four. This varies from time to time. All of this interest rate is something that is the main thing that your lender can, can put into an affordability calculator for you and kind of show you if you like acting now versus waiting um, on the cost of your home and the cost of your payment. Okay, so we covered principal, we covered interest. The third part of your home of your uh, your monthly payment is your taxes, your property taxes. You are required to pay property taxes to the government based on the value and location of your home. Your home is given what's called an assessment. Taxman collects on that twice a year. However, it's broken into your payment um, and it's kept in what's called an impound account. Typically, it's a little bit of a, how the thing works. All this stuff gets broken into an impound account and then it's just paid monthly altogether. Principal, interest, taxes. Fourth thing is insurance, homeowner's insurance. This protects your home against any damages. If you have a loan on your property, they are going to require your lender or your bank is going to require you to have homeowner's insurance. Protects against the fire, protects against accidents, damp, leak damage, lots of different things for homeowner's insurance, protects your investment. Okay. The last thing is variable because not all homes fall into an HOA. But if it does, you're going to have principal, interest, taxes, insurance, and number five, HOA dues, your association dues. These are fees you must pay if your home belongs to a homeowner's association. If your home is not part of a homeowner's association, you won't have to pay this fee. This, when it comes to researching neighborhoods, researching cities, as one thing you need to think about when you're thinking about crime rates, schools, grocery stores, et cetera, is the home I'm looking to buy, does it have an HOA? And if so, how much is that HOA? Because if your, HO, if your HOA is 50, 60 bucks, 70 bucks, probably not a big deal. If your HOA is $300, $400, $500, that impacts a lot of people's affordability. An old rule of thumb we used to go by when the interest rates were in the 4% area was for every $10,000 that you finance or pay or put as a down payment, that equals about $50 to $55 of a house payment. So if you took that rule of thumb and you had a $400 a month house payment, I'm sorry, $400 a month HOA dues, knowing that approximately 50 to $55 is $10,000 in purchasing power, 
it's $80,000, potentially seventy dollars to $80,000 of a home if you have that high of an HOA. Very important to pay attention to that. That's, and that's the one thing I'll be honest with you. HOA dues are the number one thing that everyone forgets about until they go to make an offer on a house and the lender tells them, here's what your payment's going to look like. And you're like, whew, wasn't quite expecting that. It's the HOA dues. Some places, if you're buying a condo, you might have two HOA dues, not just one. We can talk about the viability of HOAs in another discussion. I could probably make a whole video on that alone. That's neither here nor there with what I'm talking about tonight. So you have principal interest taxes, insurance association dues. That's what makes up your house payment. To calculate how much home you can afford, consider using some sort of a home mortgage calculator. Okay. I can send you one. I can send you a link to one. I have one on my website. As a matter of fact, ronevansrealty.com. But consider using some sort of a calculator, mortgage calculator. It's, it will break all this stuff down into you. You can kind of look online, kind of see the price of a house that you might like, plug that in, plug in how much you were thinking about putting a down payment and it will do the rest for you. Now, another part of determining how much you can afford is your down payment and closing costs. You need to understand this. Understanding what you are responsible to pay and when is crucial to the home buying process. So this is when you start speaking to your lender, to your real estate agent, about which costs you have to pay up front. Okay. The number one thing you're gonna have is a down payment. Like I told you before, you used to always hear 20% was the recommended or was sometimes even the minimum down payment. But that's a big number, especially in a market like mine. So it's no longer the standard. Um, you can get a minimum down payment of about 3% on a conventional loan. Now it's going to have a, a pretty high PMI, uh, private mortgage insurance. Um, attached to it, your lender can go into all that. So... I've personally never had a buyer try to do a 3% down conventional loan. They are available to some lenders. I have had buyers do FHA at 3.5% down, um, but there were other factors than just down payment that went into that. Some of them have really good credit, but they didn't have a huge down payment, but they still went FHA. It's just easier to, it was easier for them to qualify for. Some of the lower down payment conventional loans are still harder to qualify for because of the credit standards, um, the income standards and the debt to income ratio that we talked about before. So not all low down payment loans are the same. So keep in mind that the larger the down payment, the more equity you'll have when you close and the lower your monthly mortgage payment will be. So if you have that option, 
take advantage of that option to put more money down. But weigh all your options and choose the right down payment for you. Use the affordability calculators, the mortgage calculators, and talk to your lender, talk to your agent. A larger down payment may be great, but not if it means emptying your savings because you still you don't want to deplete all your reserves just to put more of a down payment. It may not make that unless it makes just such a huge difference in your monthly payment. A lot of times it doesn't. The other large expense you need to know are the, is the closing costs. These are the fees that are associated with processing and securing your loan that the lender charges. Some of them are impounds or prepaids. Um, the exact amount you need will vary depending on the type of loan, the tax requirements. So basically they prorate the taxes. But generally it could be anywhere from three to 6% of the purchase price. Okay, this includes like the funding fees, the, the origination fee, fees, excuse me. Taxes impounded, insurance impounded, okay. You prepay a lot of that stuff up front when you close because the bank requires it to stay in this impound account. So basically how, you know, keeps the process going smooth. It makes sure that everyone has skin in the game. So three to 6%. So if you're buying an $800,000 home, your closing costs might be, 24,000, 30,000. Keep that in mind. That's separate from your down payment. Separate from your down payment. It does not go towards the equity of your home. Now, sometimes lenders uh, can pay some of those closing costs. Um, or give you a credit toward them. Certain things you can never get a credit for, and those would be the impound things like taxes and insurance and stuff like that. Those are things that are required to be paid for by the buyer. You can't get a credit for them from your agent, from your lender, nothing like that. But sometimes on some of the other ones, you can. So it's always important to ask if you're work if you happen to be working with a lender that will pay for some of your closing costs, all or all or part. Also, depending on what the real estate market is doing, you might be able to get some of your closing costs paid for by the seller. In today's market, not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. Unless you got creative with your offer. We could talk about that off, offline. But in today's market, you're not going to get a seller to pay your closing costs, okay? Um when it becomes a buyer's market, so in a few years, when the market kind of maybe flips a little bit, that's when you can get, you negotiate closing costs into a loan or into a, a purchase, um, but you're not going to do it from a seller today. Keep it in the back of your mind, depending on when it is you are coming across this video. Okay, so we've covered step one, checking your credit score and all that entailed. We've just now finished step two, determining how much you can afford. Now let's talk about step three, choosing a lender and getting pre-approved, excuse me, for your mortgage. Many So, like I just said, Finding a mortgage lender and getting pre-approved for a loan 
is your next step. Many first-time home buyers don't realize they can and should shop around for lenders before choosing one. Do your research and make an informed decision. Now, I know when I listed the big list there, choosing a real estate agent kind of came next. But if you're already working with a real estate agent, which happens more often than not, get advice from them too. Um, you are never required to use a lender that someone else tells you you have to use um, unless the seller has it like in their listing agreement. But just because a, just because your agent tells you um, or the listing agent of the home you put an offer in on says, oh, hey, we need you to talk to our lender. You can talk to them all you want, but you don't have to use them. You can still use whoever you want to go through. So personally, when I meet a new client, I ask them if they're already pre-approved. 99% of the time, they're not. So they haven't gone through these steps in this order. My next question is, well, do you already have a lender that you're working with or that, have you ever bought a home before and you and you, you know of a lender or a bank that you want to work with? 75% of the time, the answer is still no. So then I typically get to know the person through a conversation, maybe interacting with them once or twice, get a feel for their personality. And then I go through my list of lenders that I like to work with. I usually have four or five um, maybe two that are primary and the rest that I know like what they can do for me. Okay. If I have like special situations, but then I, I just recommend and say, Hey, look, I think you might work. You might fit well with X or Z and I will give them the contact information for the lenders that I'm telling them they should talk to. And I recommend they talk to both, not just talk to one and pick them, <clears throat> but talk to both. I also contact the lenders with the buyer's permission and give their information to both of them as well. And I typically, I'm always pretty upfront with my lenders letting them know, hey, look, I'm, you're one of two or you're one of three that they've asked to talk to. So my lenders know upfront. Um, so they can talk to all my people and choose one, they can talk to all my people and not choose one and still go find one on their own. I don't care as long as I have the ability to contact whoever they do end up choosing. If it's not my, someone that I've worked with in the past to vet them on my own so that I know like what I'm getting into with their lender. Communication is the key. Okay. So get different loan estimates. <clears throat> there are often variations in interest rates and closing costs between lenders direct lenders, mortgage brokers, different things. They all have different programs and they all have different rates. They all have different requirements. So it's essential you do your homework with them. When you compare lenders, ask each one to provide you with a loan estimate. It's easy for them to do. This will spell out the loan terms, the projected payments based on whatever home uh, uh, purchase price you give them and closing costs for your potential mortgage. This form is provided in universal format, so it makes it simple for you to compare from lender to lender. They all should have the exact same information on them. It's a requirement. <clears throat> Be sure to consider factors beyond the bottom line, however. This is why I, when I recommend a lender to somebody, 
I've gotten to know my client as best I can in a short amount of time. So that kind of have an idea of, okay, this person's customer service style and skill is going to suit this client better. Um, you know, you can, you have to figure out how to match personalities together and know what's important to your client. I, sometimes I just ask my client, are you just like, a, are you a bottom line shopper? Are you a numbers person? Or do you care about the customer service you're going to get and the communication you're going to get? But sometimes they don't go hand in hand. So be sure to consider factors beyond the bottom line. A lender might be offering a great deal, but if it comes with lower quality customer service, it may or may not be worth it. <clears throat> this is what I'm just telling you about. Buying a house is a long and often complicated journey. Just because you get approved for your loan today, get your pre-approval today, doesn't mean you're getting into escrow tomorrow. We're just getting started. Might be a few months. Okay, so you, it's really important for you to know how that lender works. You need to find a lender that you can trust to make the process as simple and convenient as possible. Not all lenders are the same at all. Now you're gonna get pre-approved after you've chosen your lender. It used to be you would get pre-qualified. You'd have a 10 minute conversation with a lender over the phone. And they would send out a letter going, hey, we qualify for you for this loan. Being qualified being is not a guarantee that you'll actually be able to obtain a loan. When you get pre-qualified, lenders only estimate your finances based on the information you provide. They haven't been given your W-2s or your taxes that they're going to need to know. All the other documentation they're going to need to send to their underwriter to actually get you an approval. Okay, so... Pre-qualified does not guarantee that you can get that loan. <clears throat> it's just a, a conversation. And it's based solely on the information you have basically verbally given. So getting pre-approved requires a more thorough investigation of your finances. That includes verification of your income, verification of your assets, if you have any, and credit rating. When you get pre-approved for a loan, you are guaranteed you'll be able to obtain the loan, assuming your finances don't change between the time you got pre-approved and the time that the home is supposed to close escrow. So it's basically telling you, Mr. Buyer, all things equal, all things remaining the same today, three months from now, you're still going to be qualified for this loan as long as you haven't lost your job, bought a car. Um, gotten a divorce. I don't know, but lots of different things that can impact your credit rating or impact your income. As long as none of those things happen and everything has stayed the same, you're, they're telling you you're golden. A pre-approval is helpful because it tells you exactly how much the lender is willing to let you borrow. And it specifies the costs to obtaining the loan. Being pre-approved also tells the seller that you're serious about buying which in any market, I don't care if it's a buyer's market or seller's market, is key. It helps you in a bidding war. <clears throat> now we can even go, most lenders that I work with can even go one step further than just a pre-approval. They actually run you through underwriting. So a pre-qualification, 10 minute conversation, a typical pre-approval, you can get like same day, 
maybe 24 hours, but then you can also go through what's called a, a DU desktop underwritten. It's an online profile they send you through and they, or an underwritten pre-approval that might take like two to three days, depending on how fast you are getting them all the documentation they need to review. But once they have that, that's an even a more sure thing than just a standard pre-approval. When you work with me, we'll go over all those options in detail with my lenders. Just keep that in mind that there are still different types of pre-approvals, not just a standard pre-approval. So that's it. That's it for this first video. I hope this helps you at least get the, the wheels going. Um, we've talked about checking your credit score, determining how much you can afford and choosing a lender and getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Next week, I'll drop the second video in this series. And we will talk about finding a real estate agent, starting the search process, and making an offer. That's like the most fun part of this whole thing is getting to there. This first part we talked about tonight, it's tedious, it's boring. Um, sometimes it can be exciting when you get the news you want to hear, or maybe news better than you wanted to hear. And sometimes it can be heartbreaking when you're maybe you're told you can't afford to buy a house right now, but it's still very, very important to do it first. Okay, so that's it for tonight. Again, you can contact me at 949-929-2270 or realestate101 at ronevansrealty.com. I'll be happy to answer all your questions set up an appointment with you. If you have anything further or deeper dive you'd like to take, um, there you go. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it was an informative session. Thank you. See you next time. <laughs>